and thanks for listening in. Welcome to Leading Well, where we get to know leaders and how they make it happen. I'm your host, Tim Davis. And I'm his co-host, Alyssa. Let's welcome our guest today, Tim Sinatra. Good morning, Tim. Good morning. Good morning. Yes, I'm Tim Sinatra. I'm the CEO for the Family YMCA of Marion Polk Counties. Great to be here. There you go. Thanks for hanging out. Yeah. So we don't usually mess around too much. Tim, we like to just dive right in. Let's if you head back to childhood, like where were you born? What what was elementary school like? That type of stuff. Great. Born in South Florida, small town Hollywood, right between uh, Fort Lauderdale and Miami. Um, grew up there, you know, really hanging out on the streets with my buddies, playing in the streets. Um, went to, um, let's see, I was there probably for about 21 years uh, there and then moved to uh, California. Uh, as a professional with boys and girls clubs and spent quite a bit of time, 23 years with boys and girls clubs yeah. and uh, YMCA. But loved growing up. We had a great community. It was where, like, if you did something wrong by the time you got home, uh, the, <laughs> your parents already knew because the neighbors had you on quick dial. Um, and so I was. it was neat to be in a community where everybody cared for each other and watched out for each other. Uh, so I had a lot of great friends growing up, and uh, I think it was it was a great it was a great childhood. I was yeah. blessed. Yeah. So um, siblings, how many siblings you got? I got two older brothers, one younger. Uh, so it's interesting, you know, growing up with uh, older brothers. You know, you're tagging along, and my younger brother's ten years younger than me, so we didn't hang out much. But um, we always took care of each other. You know, there was kind of an unwritten rule that. You watched out for each other and supported each other, and um, we had uh, chores, of okay. course, that everyone had to break up. Mine was cutting the lawn and um, doing the dishes, uh, and we weren't allowed to go out until you did your chores. It was a done deal, but it was neat growing up in a house where um, our uh, my dad was a great leader. I really respected him. If uh, we were going to go out and play football down the street, and if he's helping the neighbor, he would say, uh, "Come, come over and help you know, the neighbor, and then when we're done, you can go out. So always about giving first, mm. uh, you know, before we did anything. I remember telling someone this story about cutting the lawn. So that's one of my chores. And I was telling a story, I'd cut the lawn, put the lawn in the shed, and then run down the street. So my father wouldn't say thank you to me. And my friends were saying, well, don't you think something's wrong with that? Wouldn't you want your father to say thank you? And I said, I said, well, I'd want him to say thank you for something that was over and above. But that was that was something I was supposed to do. You mm-hmm. know, it's something about giving. So I was always brought up that you shouldn't look for any appreciation in something you should already be doing mm-hmm. to help out. And then, of course, if I washed and waxed the car, you know, I, yeah. I, I want a little cash on that. That's Maybe right. a 20 <laughs> spot to go see a movie or something like that. Uh, but doing something I was already supposed to be doing, um, mm-hmm. we never asked for any appreciation. And I was, you know, I, I appreciate that because it gave me a great work ethic mm-hmm. uh, and taught me never to complain and to be thankful for the opportunity to serve. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's good. That's good. So if you're thinking about uh, elementary and middle school, maybe a little bit of high school, like what were some of your first interests, you know, outside of maybe school? Mm. Elementary was great. You know, we just, you know, growing up, we had great teachers and loved outdoors and loved any kind of sports, even though I didn't play a lot of sports. Um, Middle school was rough. We came from a very uh, rough middle school, a lot of fights, 
going on, many, many challenges along with high school. So a lot of it, to be honest, was just surviving to get mm. out. I wasn't a great student um, in middle or high school. I, I think I graduated with whatever the lowest GPA you can graduate. Literally, I joke I'm in that out. same line, yeah. Uh, mostly Ds. I remember um, the teacher in uh, 12th grade, she... Uh, she says, wear the shirt in about four weeks of the college or university or wherever you want, you're going to go to. And so we come in and, um, you know, everybody's got the shirt on, but not me. I've got a white Hanes T-shirt. And my older brother got kicked out of, like, all the schools out there. You know, he was just – he wasn't doing so good. So I was kind of tagged as yep. – you know, this – Rabble rouser this, or whatever. He's going to yeah. be just like his brother. Mm. So sure enough uh, – she sees I, the teacher sees I have a teacher, and she said, Sinatra, stand up. And she says, look at Mr. Sinatra. Everybody else is oh participating here, but not you, Mr. Sinatra. And I said, ma'am, with all due respect, I said, you can see my grades, I'm sure. You know, you're a teacher. You don't probably have access to my grades in these last four years. And so I took seriously what you asked me to do, and I thought about what college or university take me nobody would so i went down to the local community college because they'd be the only ones that would even consider me and they don't sell shirts so here i am (laughs) and um and i was really a realist you know i was just that was the reality but i didn't have a passion at that time i didn't know you know i i thought as soon as i graduate 12th grade i didn't want one day more my father didn't graduate high school he went on and worked for the city did did well, um, and when I even talked to him about going to to community college, he said, "Why waste your time?" Now you could say he he wasn't that wasn't the best advice, but actually, knowing my background and who I was at that sure. time, he knew I was a hard worker, and yep. if you just follow suit, you you can have a decent life. But I knew I wanted more, and when I was 19, I actually had an opportunity to go to Israel, and I was baptized in the Jordan River. Mm. And um, coming out of that, um, it changed my life, and I knew that I wanted to serve, and and that was it. That was the launch to um, serving for the rest of my life. Yeah, Yeah. that's cool. Just in our previous episode, we mentioned, you know, the college isn't for every person. Mm -hmm. It's totally different. Like, that's we have different brains, different gift sets, and so, yeah. Yeah, there's you can make a wonderful living in the trades and other other ways. I mean, we're not dissing higher education for sure. Uh, I'm for it. Both my kids have uh, degrees, and that's cool. But uh, yeah, but it isn't for everybody. And so you and I shared similar academic, uh, at least high school aspirations. Which was for me, it's like, now what do I need to stay <laughs> eligible for sports? Oh, it's right. a two point two five. Oh, yeah, I think I can do that, right? <laughs> yeah. So yeah, who knows? But uh, yeah, I think so. Then uh, you're you're nineteen. You 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 get that conversion or that experience, mm-hmm. and then what's the next few years look like? So then I, you know, I wake up and I'm thinking, well, if I'm going to serve and I want to do something, I knew I need to get some formal education because back in that day, if you didn't have a degree, they wouldn't even look at you, mm-hmm. you know. And and now we realize that higher education is important, but really your lived experience and what you can produce is even more important, right. you know. And so I went on. I got my degree from uh, UNCA, um, University of North Carolina, Asheville, in sociology, went on to get an MBA. But it wasn't easy. I mean, I worked full time. I remember working full time at the Boys and Girls Club. So I was working from one to nine. And then I was consulting with the YMCA on weekends, doing their safety technician in a ropes course. And then I went to classes like three days a week on top of that. 
and I was mostly A's and B's. Yeah. Um, and I'm a slow reader, so it's interesting. They'd give you like five books for a class, and I was <laughs> like, I don't think I've ever read a whole book in my life, you right. know? And so what I would do is I, was, I could comprehend things really quickly. So I'd read the first three pages or four pages of the chapter, get the concept, skip the 20 pages that was just reiterating that concept, and go to the next chapter. And that's how I made it through because there was no way. But once I read something like, and I got the concept, I didn't need to read like a thousand examples of it. I, right. I just got it. I knew how to utilize it, mm-hmm. leverage it, and so on. So in that way, that helped me because I was a slow reader. And to this day, I am a slow reader. But when I see a concept, once I get it, forget about it. Right. You know? So yeah. it was It was good. In fact, both uh, UNCA and my MBA, FAU, Florida Atlantic University, turned me down. Because they said my academic grades weren't good enough um, to make it. And uh, there's a long story about that. But long, lo and behold, I kind of pushed back on them. Perseverance wins. <laughs> and, and they let me in. And I and not only, and they told me I shouldn't even work 15 hours. I was working a full-time and part-time uh, job and still graduated with mostly A's and a couple B's yeah. while taking full classes. So, you know, whenever I got set about like my passion, like why I'm here, and I knew I needed the toolkit so I could be successful for it, you know, nothing was going to stop me. And I truly believe that with people and kids and youth, that once that light switches on for me, which it did for me, finally, uh, nothing was going to stop me, no matter mm-hmm. how hard it was. And yeah. so I'm blessed to have gone through that. Uh, was it easy? Absolutely not. Uh, but I wouldn't change it. If I had to go back the path again, I'd take the same path. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's an encouragement to our listeners or or uh, maybe parents of younger folks that maybe are struggling in high school and, and that type of thing. I, I kind of jokingly call it I was a late bloomer, right? So mm-hmm. I got way better grades in college than I did in, in high school. And uh, and But maybe that's an encouragement to parents out there that the best thing you can do is help your young person find some passions that because we talk about this in our show all the time that purpose and passion will get you past a lot of hurdles right yeah. you, you'll you'll blow through a bunch of speed bumps to get to the the finish line on something you really you know you really enjoy so well yeah. my my favorite quote you know relative to what you're saying is you know um mark twain's two most important days of your life the day you're born and the day you find out why when I found out why, why I'm here, what my purpose is, there was nothing that was going to stop me. And so I know you, Tim, and and, um, and myself have spent a lot of time to help kids, youth, and families and adults find their why. Because once, once you figure that out, yeah. it's going to be an amazing life because everything after that becomes intentional with what you do. Yes. In every part of your life, you know, formally with your profession and and also informally with your family and your community. So and it's a beautiful life. Like when I wake up in the morning, I say the same thing to myself every morning. Thank you, Lord, for waking me up. I have great work to do again. Yeah. And I say that every single morning. Yeah. Yeah, That's we got cool. two Tims in the room. Both of you help people find their WHY, but Tim Sinatra also helps them find their just letter Y, right? That's right. <laughs> so there <you> go. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, yeah. Um, what uh, What's something that, you, so you mean you started in with these nonprofits as a, at a young age and stuff, but now where you're at here, what's something that surprises you? Like you, you envision it being a certain way, right, mm-hmm. as you were 1920 or whatever, and what's something that surprises you about how it really is or something? So. It was interesting, like, 
and I lead differently than how a lot of people say, well, how did you get your leadership skills? And I literally said, I just did opposite from the bosses that I had. Because the bosses that I had never wanted you to move up. They were worried about, you know, you're going to take their job. Um, you know, there was always like, I remember going into my boss one time saying, hey, I got an idea. I said, I got a, an idea to make things better for the kids we're serving, cheaper, doesn't cost much, um, and it's going to lighten the workload of our team. You know, so I'm thinking that's like the great yeah, so three great outcomes trifecta. anybody wants, right. the trifecta of outcomes. And my boss is like, ah, oh, that's a good idea, but Sinatra, just get back out there, you know. And I was like, that's it. And that's when yeah. I went on to get my MBA. I said, I'm going to go get my MBA so I know the business side of nonprofits. Yeah. I'm going to kick open the gates and tell my staff to run as fast as they can. When they hit a hurdle, I'll jump into it the, with them, move it out of their way, and then get back out, you know, and keep going. And, and that... You know, I was surprised by how many leaders didn't really try to nurture an environment for everyone to succeed. Mm. And so it was frustrating to me. And that's where normally it should have taken me another seven to eight years to become a CEO. But I literally jumped from like base level program director to CEO and skipped like three spots overnight. <laughs> and and when I got there, it was funny. I was like, I always had this mentality of it can't be that hard. You know, <laughs> right. it wasn't I, for I, me. I, yeah. <laughs> I was like. I was like, this can't be rocket science here. And as long as I did that and I got the right people around me to know what I didn't know or at least to coach me on that, like it, it just always worked out. And prayer all the time. I mean, I pray all the time and, um, and pray for guidance and direction. But in the end, like you get a lot of great people around you and uh, move the barriers out of the way and, and hope that they learn and grow. And I think that's the key thing. If I can teach anybody anything is to learn how to learn. Hmm. If, if you have that as a core characteristic, you will always be successful in anything you do. Yep. And, and so when people say, what have you learned over 34 years for youth and families, is teach everyone how to learn how to learn. Because once you get that concept, everything is wind at your back. Yeah. You know? And it's that simple. I hate to say to dumb it down to that after 34 years, but... That's when I look at everything, we, we had this insatiable aspect to keep learning and growing, you know, and how to get better at things, not for perfection, but just for progress. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what uh, what's something like in your leadership role and that I'm, I'm speaking to maybe your marriage. Right. And that like what are some things to we could talk about and other leaders who are married. And sometimes that can be a, a challenge for us to balance those times with our family and times with our spouse and that type of thing. So maybe what's something you've learned along the way to kind of help that? Because yeah. we can be pretty committed to, to what we're into, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm deeply into my wife, right? And, yeah. and that type of stuff. But I want to always be learning that stuff too. So, yeah. Yeah, that's probably the one area that you can get consumed with the work you're doing by serving others, you know, and just make it all about everybody else. And usually you forget about yourself and usually your own family a lot of times. And and they indirectly are at the expense of your passion. And so you have to regulate that. You have to schedule in times to block out um, just for your family, for your wife, uh, for yourself, for your own health, because it can be all consuming. If you're doing the work that I know you do, Tim, and I do, it's not a, you know, eight in the gate, you know, eight hours right. and you're out. Sure. It's 24 seven. That phone's, if you're serving people um, in your operations, something can always happen. And so 
But if you don't protect that time for family and yourself, um, no one's going to do it for you. Mm. So the wiser I got, the more I started blocking things out and saying, nope, I'm blocking out work from that. Minus an emergency, sure. an extreme emergency, I'm blocking that out. Now, you have to learn how to mentally block it out, too. There's a difference between spending time with your spouse or your family and you're blocking out, but are you really there, mm-hmm. you know, and, and how to clear the palate, you know, in your mindset to really focus and give that intention. And that is tough. It's something I wouldn't say I have perfected, but I think I've gotten better at it. Yeah. Well, you know, it's, a, it's you know, your personal and professional life, they always say balance. There's no such thing as balance. It's, it's integration. Yeah. It's how do you, especially the higher you are in an organization, because everything comes to you, whether you like it or not, it's coming to you. And so how do you integrate, you know, uh, the different parts of life, both personally and professionally, in a way that, you know, is doable, meaningful, and so on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and having a spouse who understands that, that has a servant heart. Yeah. My wife is very has an amazing servant heart, and she understands. In fact, she'll be there. She'll come and volunteer and help and constantly, you know, in many different ways and never complains at all. At the same time, I have to be understanding that even if she's not complaining doesn't mean it's not yeah, making an exactly. impact. You know? right. uh, and that's something you got to be wise with, you know. And all that you do. And and that's key because I know when I joined Boys and Girls Clubs, <laughs> they said uh, most CEOs, uh, uh, 50% of them are divorced uh, at that time. And I was just like, I don't want to be that. You right. know? And uh, that was my goal. And we've been to married a long time. So yeah, are yeah. yeah, like, I want to do both. I, yeah. you know? <laughs> I want to be able to do both. Yeah. Stay, stay married and love what I do. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Love yeah. Mondays. Love Mondays. <laughs> there you go. So to our listeners, how many of you love Mondays? That's a good point. <laughs> Probably not yeah. a lot of people. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> mm. It's interesting that Love Mondays, I locally, I, I was help, uh, speaking to some kids in the high school from the AVID program, and I asked them that question. I said, um, you know, how many of you love Mondays? You know, and you know, And I said, if we took a trip, down to the center of Salem and asked 10 different professionals if they love Mondays, how many out of the 10 would say they love Mondays? And their hands went up, all of them. And we couldn't get over two. Mm. I said, wait a minute. You mean only two people out of 10? I said, and I started the whole talk about, do you believe what I heard when I was young from my teacher and my parents that I could be whoever I wanted to be? Do you believe that? Have you heard that? And all their hands went up. And then I said, okay, if we went downtown, 10 professionals, how many love Mondays? And they said two. And I said, then what happened to the rest of them? What happened to the eight that didn't reach goal? And it was fascinating about how they discussed. And they were these were ninth going on 10th graders. They were brilliant. And then I did it to a senior class at Willamette University, and they couldn't get over three. And my po- they said they said basically the people who who didn't make it had kind of where they were going their purpose and then life bumps into them and they get one degree off of true north and then if you don't push back right away something else happens now you're two degrees or three degrees next thing you know you're doing a career that's maybe five or ten degrees off of what you want to do you like it but you don't love it. And then I said, well, how did the people who did make it, so you said two people did make it, how did they stay on track? Did life not bump into them? And they said, no, life bumped into them. But they fought hard to get back on True North. Yep. And, and that, that's the difference, is being 
resilient and determined yeah. to say, no, I'm not even getting off one degree. I'm pushing back to true north. And it's amazing now when I look around at young people and so on. Um, first, when I ask them, what's true north? They don't know. They don't have it. Right. And I'm like, when you find it, life is going to be so beautiful. Wait till you see. You're going to get excited about what you're doing. Um, and then when you do find it, here's some things you do to stay on track, you know, that, that you don't end up many degrees off of what true north is for you. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I mean, so if you're a, if you're a listener out there and you're either a young person or or an adult with kids, I mean, think about that. There's there's resources. You could get a hold of the YMCA downtown and Tim can put you in touch with people on their team or Valor Mentoring of the Rec. We'd, we'd love to uh, engage with you just to ask some questions and maybe we can be a resource to help your young person or yourself find your your why, right? I mean, uh, it's, it's critical to to appreciation and and enjoying what we do every day. And so the other thing I would think of that sometimes I have, uh, when you were saying, do you, are you excited for Mondays or like Mondays? And I was just thinking, uh, if I don't, my question is, what did I do on the weekend, right? Mm-hmm. So like, did I not get rest yeah. to myself? Did I not, you know, yeah. like those are those, back to those discipline things you were talking about is there's, there, certainly I love uh, what I'm doing, but I also, like you're saying, need to need to rest, and so mm-hmm. we, we mm-hmm. have to take those times. Mm. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. Um, do you listen to much music? If so, like, do you have a genre you like over others? Or yeah. So if you um, always, whenever we hire you, you know, with the YMCA, I kind of give you some advice, and I always say, if I ask you who sings that, just say you too. Because eighty or ninety percent of the time it's U two, because it's my favorite group. So yes. I'll come into our meetings playing U yes. two or singing something or weave it into one of my talks. And I just <laughs> love everything about um, their advocacy and how they care for humanity. And the music's great. So yeah, it's U uh, two. I've told a lot of people I'm I'm fairly frugal on on most things, but I spend good money on things I do a lot, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's equipment or whatever. But uh, I've told people that's one ticket I would spend 100 or $200 to go see. And so here's, you might not know this, but uh, they are uh, going to start this fall as a resident act in the world's most expensive performance uh, venue in, in Las Vegas. Yeah. yeah. So I, I will tickets. be down there. I'm going to buy <laughs> tickets and I will go down there this fall at some point with our family to, to see them. Yeah. You know, it, it, they're truly amazing for sure. I mean, for me, it's them and for King and Country is two of the oh, bands yeah. I listen to, you know, excessively, I think. So, yeah. You mean your favorite artist isn't Frank Sinatra? Yeah. You know, no, I Come love on. Frank. <laughs> it's a blessing and a curse having yeah. that last yeah. name, I'll tell you that. Yeah. It's, it's not all excitement, but I love Frank. You know, what I did, I, I bought tickets, and I don't want to tell you how much they are. It's insane yeah. uh, to you, too, because when I saw Pavarotti uh, in the three tenors, I was able to take 14 teenagers to, in Miami back in the day, um, the Saturday to watch them warm up. And then the Sunday, they were going to have like 70,000 people in the big Joe Robbie football stadium. And so there was only 300 of us. And when you hear the best of the best, even if you don't like that genre, and these teens didn't want to go see opera, they're like, no way, I'm right. not. And right when, when Pavarotti opened up, they were just amazed. And like, yeah. and I swore, I said, I, I'll, I wish I would have went 
to see some of the greats while they were still alive rather than saying, well, next year or someday. Someday is not a day of the week. Right. And so now I'm at a point in my life where, like, I heard you too, and immediately I'm like, I'm buying tickets. I don't care how much it costs. Yeah, exactly. Because I, I still wish I might I be short of kidney, yeah. but uh, <laughs> I'm going. <laughs> or take out another mortgage. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, because again, I'm not going to see him weekly, monthly, or annually, right? Yeah. So, I mean, you know, right. a buck up. And uh, I'm same sport, same about sports. I'm a sports fan. I don't go to a ton of games, but when I do go, I'll spend good money and get a good seat. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. so yeah. it's smart. It's, well, you know, life's about experience, you know, and yeah. The more experiences we have, the more we can care and share with people. If we can share those experiences, even better. Yeah. Why not? We said something really quickly, and I thought it was really interesting. I haven't heard somebody say that before. It's like, someday isn't a day of the week. And I think that's really cool. It's like, a lot of people say, I'm going to do this someday, or someday I'll get this, or someday I'll buy that car, or whatever. And it's not a day of the week. I'm pretty Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. That's crazy. You know? See? And you know all seven days. That's right. Yeah, that's Which actually didn't say Saturday, but I know it's there, yeah. so there you go. We know it's there. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, cool. Well, um, any uh, last thoughts you want to share with our listeners before we, we ran out of time? I would just say, um, you know, life is a miracle. There's no doubt about that. And everyone has a gift. The world's waiting for you to be great. Be intentional about every day. Yeah, that's good. Be intentional. It's a good word. But uh, if uh, some of our listeners want to get in touch with you, maybe what's an email address or how they could get in touch with you? Sure. Uh, They could get me at uh, tsinatra at theyonline.org. Uh, that, that's the best way to do it. Well, okay. Love for you to come visit. Yeah, yeah for sure. Um, yeah, so thank you, Tim, for joining us today, and thank you, listeners, for listening in. Whether you're tuning in at 11 a.m. on KSLM, we air every week there, or you're finding us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thank you for listening to Leading Well by Valor Mentoring.